Grace and Advent peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. text for our meditation this morning is a brief prophecy from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 7, the 14th verse. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the word of God. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, to whose coming we once again look forward during this Advent season, dear friends in Christ. How many of you are fans of Charles Dickens? Don't raise your hands all at once. He's not a big favorite of mine. But there's one work of his I'm willing to guess you're all familiar with. It's a story called The Christmas Carol. Each year at this season, at least two or three different movie versions of it will be shown on cable TV. In this, in this story, you recall a man named Ebenezer Scrooge is transformed at Christmas time from a penny-pinching old miser into a generous lover of mankind. Many would describe it as a miraculous transformation. And that's exactly the kind of miracle most people expect at Christmas time. A warming of hearts, peace on earth, love for your fellow man. We sort of get pulled along with that idea too, don't we? At Christmas time we expect little miracles. We look forward to a certain Christmas spirit, a kind of pervasive Christmas cheer, a certain moderation of attitudes. But is that what Christmas is all about? Aren't we really expecting far too little? There are great miracles to be had at Christmas time, and this morning we turn our attention to one of the most miraculous of all, the virgin birth of our Savior, as foretold by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah leads you and me and every Christian to expect great things from Christmas. Most of us here, I think it's safe to say, have been Christians all our lives. And that term, virgin birth, tends to roll off our lips perhaps a bit too glibly. Every Sunday we stand up together in church and confess, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. And sometimes we don't pay much attention to the words we're speaking. But stop and ponder that statement for a moment. What an amazing miracle. In the entire history of mankind, conception would take place in the womb of a woman without a human father participating in any way. That's the sign, the miracle that the Lord was predicting through the prophet Isaiah. It had never happened before, and it has never happened since. We use the word incredible a lot, but I think we usually use it incorrectly. We use it as if it were merely a synonym for the word surprising, but of course that's not what it means. Incredible literally means not able to be believed, and in a certain sense that was literally true about the virgin birth. It was an incredible miracle. It was something people simply would be unable to believe. Mary must have known that. She was heartened and cheered and believed the word of the angel 
when he told her that she would conceive the Son of God. But there must have been some second thoughts, too. Who would have been likely to believe that she was still a virgin as the months went by and the signs of her pregnancy became increasingly obvious? Would you have believed it? One person who did believe it was Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. She believed it because the Lord had also worked a mighty miracle in her life. Although she was old and childless and well past the age of bearing children, the Lord had promised that she and her husband Zechariah would have a son, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Christ. In fact, Elizabeth was already six months along when Mary visited her, and as soon as she stepped across Elizabeth's door, Elizabeth cried out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her of the Lord. And think for a moment about Mary's promised husband. After all, they had not begun to live together yet. What would Joseph think when Mary showed up on his doorstep pregnant? I'm afraid that for him, too, this would have been a miracle that would have been incredible. He'd be unable to believe it. So the Lord sent the angel Gabriel to Joseph as well. Joseph, son of David, he said, Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Then the angel quoted the prophecy of Isaiah that I read to you a moment ago. Remember, Joseph? Remember what Isaiah said about a virgin bearing the Savior? Well, Mary, your betrothed is that virgin, and her son Jesus will be that Savior. Emmanuel meaning, of course, God with us. That's the biggest miracle, the most incredible miracle of all, as incredible as if I were to say to you that black is white or that tomorrow is Saturday. But this miracle was true. Mary believed it. Elizabeth believed it. Zacharias and Joseph believed it. Isaiah believed it. And you and I believe it as well. The biggest miracle of all comes at the end of Isaiah's prophecy, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Now there's a miracle for you. How awe-inspiring is it that the Almighty God should come down to earth as a human being, that the creator of the whole universe should consent to live on earth with us mortals. Most amazing of all, that he should sacrifice himself on the cross of Calvary so that we wretched sinners might be redeemed. That's what's truly hard to believe. Think for a moment about all the people for whom you would be willing to make sacrifices. Chances are they're mostly people that you already know and love dearly. Some of them, like your family members, you would be prepared, presumably, to make great sacrifices for, possibly up to and including sacrificing your life, if necessary. That kind of love, that makes perfect sense to us. What's entirely beyond our experience and comprehension 
is the love of Christ. Jesus loved people who didn't love him, who in fact were by nature his enemies. He loved you and me, notwithstanding the kind of lost, ungodly sinners that we were. Paul says, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Because of our sins, God was against us. But now because of Jesus, he is Emmanuel, God with us, God on our side. No longer a stern judge, but rather now our Heavenly Father, providing for all our needs, granting us free forgiveness for the sake of His Son. And as Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer to that, of course, is obvious. No one can stand against God. No one and nothing can defeat God. With Emmanuel, our Savior, by our side, we have nothing left to fear in this life or the next. That's the real miracle of Christmas. In Dickens' Christmas Carol, the story, of course, ends with the former miser Ebenezer Scrooge becoming quite generous and sharing large gifts with his clerk Bob Cratchit and his family. You think that's the miracle of Christmas? You think that's love? Don't expect too little of Christmas. God wants you to expect great things. 1 John 4, verse 9, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Amen. We conclude this morning with stanzas 1 and 4 of hymn 76.